citizens of the verse. Today is February 1st, 2952, and welcome to Citizen Cast. We're a weekly Star Citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. First up, he's part man, part machine, and all Russian. It's Chekhov. Say hello, Chekhov. Hello. Uh-oh. Plus, you can hear his mechanics in the background. Uh, oh, next, we have <laughs> next we have the man who rarely calls out sick, but when he does, the team sure feels it. Welcome <laughs> back, Seaguard. Uh, thanks. I am feeling better. Excellent. Glad to hear. Um, we also have a special guest tonight. He might as well at this point be a special correspondent for the show. The man who probably prepared most for tonight's episode, uh, Canuck2099. Welcome back, Canuck. Hello, hello. How is everybody doing tonight? Good. Wonderful. So, I just took a sip of my drink and I realized that you were just saying hello. Um, oh. So, <laughs> I don't know why I assumed that that was a good break, but, you know. Um, well, uh, it's great to have everybody here. I uh, I guess, you know, what's everybody been up to this past week in the verse? Canuck, what have you been doing? Uh, I have been, well, since 3.16.1 dropped and they reset everything, I have uh, spent the last couple of evenings uh, just um, refilling in my little outposts. I, I leave stuff at specific outposts a little bit in each of the systems, just so I have some equipment lying around, usually a, an extra set of armor, undersuit, some weaponry, and then tools that might be specific to the area. So if I have, I leave like a a Pembroke on in one station on the, the hot planets if I decide I want to go do some rock mining or something. And so I've been just kind of redistributing my effects. Nice. Um, what about you, Seaguard? What have you been up to besides recovery? Yeah, so I was recovering. Um, what, and when I did do a little play, I did the uh, – I kind of repositioned myself now because the new patch. Mm-hmm. Um, just on the uh, – for the grins and giggles of it, I went to um, Crusader as my starting point. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's it's I want to it just I just want to experience more of it. Um, I'm glutting for punishment, but it, it's definitely got some challenges. Um, spreading your ships around the galaxy or the solar system is harder, and so that's been interesting. Um, and then I've also started. Something I don't really do, I, I rarely do is upgrade my ships, um, except maybe a, mo- a pioneer. I might upgrade a little bit, uh, but now I'm actually going to try to make a top tier logistic ship. Um, you know, all class A industrial components for my Taurus. So, nice. I just want to go in and look at that. I may do it to a raft also because they have a lot of common parts. So cool. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Chekhov, what has been your jam in this past week? Um, just um, a little bit of everything. I uh, did a few investigation missions, just trying to find the uh, the new uh, caterpillars, and uh, that's about it. A little bounties here and there. Uh, no rock mining or no mining? Side. No, I'm. I didn't get back to mining yet. I don't know why. Like this. Hmm. I'm just surprised. Kind of exploring, moving stuff around too. Cool. Um, I only did. I only played. Uh, 
I think once in between episodes, maybe twice. But I think the last thing I did was with the group. Um, we were curing up a hammerhead and I'm trying to remember what we actually did. I swear I wasn't drinking too much. Mm. Oh, yeah. That, was, uh, that night we did the crew play. Oh, yeah, yeah Saturday. Did, yeah, Saturday. So, what did, did we do, though? I'm trying to... We went out and did the hammerhead. We took the hammerhead out. Um, but what did we do with it? You know, like, we went and did some... Um, did we do ground missions? I thought we did, but... We did ground missions because everyone was stuck in the seat for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had a couple guys fall oh, that's, out. That's why I don't remember. I was stuck. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I was stuck in the passenger in the co-pilot seat. And then, uh, but we did all run into one area to help clear the uh, the bat or the guys in there, the bad guys in there. And Hurst and security would already killed all but three of them. So, while you were part of that crew, I was still in the seat. Chekhov let me out, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, it was. It was fun, apparently not super memorable. <laughs> I do remember getting tired and being like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go. Well, the crew um, play is interesting. It is, you know, that's kind of the... I'm, I'm learning some things from it. It's interesting. Well, what, why don't you tell everyone, Seaguard, you know, crew play, that's sort of one of our things that we do um, in Parlay House once a week, right? Yeah, so it's on Saturdays. It's from nine East Coast time till eleven. And what we we had a few people who had contacted me and said, "Hey, they want to do some. They're interested in crew play because I had always mentioned I wanted to do crew play, uh, which is nothing more than instead of playing all in individual ships together or all going on a ground assault mission and showing up in ten different ships, you just go out in one ship and you have a purpose. And you know, we're still trying to learn our purpose, um, but we've done two sessions. Uh, what I thought was going to be about five people, maybe seven, is really at about ten or eleven now. So, um, and it's you know it's it's different. It's got some different challenges. Every day is uh, both both times have been challenging. Uh, the first one we just proceeded to get beaten up by a redeemer and yeah. a pony. Um and then the second one was the hammerhead, but we had some technical issues. Um, we're just trying to, to learn our way as a crew operating one ship, right? Mm-hmm. And anyone's welcome to join. If we get too many people, we'll go to multiple ships. So. Excellent. Uh, very good. Um, so uh, this past week, we finally saw the return of content. From Star Citizen, or, or Robert Space Industries, I should say. Um, last week we had an Inside Star Citizen episode, thank goodness. Um, it started with a conversation about the new derelicts. Uh, but even more interesting, the vision for them in the future. So we got a glimpse of, of different types of ships and different biomes, as well as how they envision um, the wear and tear and sort of dynamic growth of the ecosystem around the ship's um, lots of concept imagery, but still very exciting for those of us who get excited by very little. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got a sprint report. So, 
Uh, we got to look at Maria Pure of Heart, which looks like the style combines the no frills look of some of Lauraville's structures with some of the sleeker materials found in the central business district and the apparent um, uh, worshipping of the Hurston family. Uh, and speaking of hospitals, we also got to look at Mercy Hospital. That'll be in Levski, super atmospheric. Um, we got to look at something Chekhov has been waiting for his whole life, apparently. Mining gadgets. Uh, and Jared walks yeah. us through how they work. And apparently, um, one new tidbit that I think we found, because we've already seen how they work already, um, but apparently they could potentially be recoverable. Um, yeah, that's right by that. Yeah. So they're um, going to be like modules, I guess. You put it on, they do what they need to do, and then you store them away. That's cool. Yeah. You got to go out there and get it, but, you know, it's good for that difficult to crack rock, at least. Um, first break. I don't think you need it for second breaks. Correct. I believe yeah. that's the case. Um, or though, who knows, maybe depending on the type. Um, we got a look at testing of cluster bombs and missiles. Um, they showed off the interior uh, gray box of, or final art actually, of the Vulture, including its cockpit, living quarters, which had a toilet, and the processing room. Uh, we got gray box images of the Scorpius. Uh, a look at the whole A's finalized or or in process of being finalized cargo arms and engine assembly more um sweet banu merchantman action looking at the engineering section as well as a rough 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 white box of a brig that they're putting in the ship we got an exterior white box of the drake corsair which is most definitely in production now uh as well as the interior and exterior of pyro space stations as well as some of the the spacecaping for Pyro's Lagrange points. So all in all, a pretty extensive episode. Canuck, what were your thoughts? Well, uh, for the for the derelicts, I mean, for the first part of it, I, I, I like concept art. You know, whether concept art makes it into the game or not, it's, it's you know, but I just enjoy seeing it. It's just kind of mm-hmm. lets you kind of imagine what things might look like. And we obviously understand that stuff that's concepted not, won't necessarily make it exactly as as it's concepted, but I, I like very much what they've kind of looked at. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, re- nature kind of reclaiming some of these things. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with derelicts, especially considering that we're going to have uh, the first tiers of salvaging coming in. I think it was last week or this week's episode previous, you know, check was kind of mulling over what he thinks, you know, tier one salvaging is going to look like. Um, and then, the, yeah, the stuff in the sprint report, there's some interesting stuff there. I, I, I do like the mining gadgets. I think it'll be interesting. I, I suspect uh, people are going to really take advantage of them. Um, not so much for big rocks, because you can still only haul in, you know, you only have, if you're in a prospector, you only have 32 SCU of cargo in there. So if you if you use it to break a really ginormous rock, uh, you know, you might not have enough room to put everything into your ship anyway. But for helping with resistance and instability, that's really where it's going to pay off. Um, I suspect they're probably going to have some kind of a failure mechanic in there too, like a percentage of it being destroyed when the rock cracks and all these kinds of things. Because, of course, they always need, games always need a way to kind of get money out of the economy. 
So I don't think yeah. they'll be indestructible. But I think, uh, you know, like you said, you know, you break a, one out in space, you're going to have to go back out and get it. Or it might get buried under some rubble, so you might have to break down a rock completely to get to it or something. Yeah. Um, you know, the ship's interesting, great stuff. Like, the Vulture looks great. I don't own one, but if it would be something... Well, as you know, I don't have a lot of pledge ships, but it would be something that I would be looking. I would look at to get the uh, Scorpius. Is, uh, that's a lot of forward firepower. I, I wonder how they're going to deal with that thing. Um, the Hull Air, the Hull A, looks fun. I, I do have like uh, we could probably touch on it maybe later. Maybe Seagard can talk about it. The, the cluster bombs, I don't know, but um, the Corsair is, looks fantastic. I do see some potential people complaining about the turret line of sights. But I mean, yeah. the turrets have the turrets have not moved from what I remember on the on the concepts. So no, they're like side they're like side turrets, which sort of baffles me. But there's still a ton of forward facing firepower. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that and and that's on purpose. I mean, you can only have so much forward facing firepower. It's for the exact same reason that the freelancers all have that spoiler. It does nothing. It's just to make sure you can't turn that extra gun to the front. Because then you'd have four size threes and then extra firepower to the front. It would just it would just be too much. So I suspect the Corsair is going to have some kind of limitations for that too. But overall, I thought the sprint report was was really interesting. It was a nice, lots of stuff to look forward to. Excellent. Uh, how about you, Seaguard? What'd you think? Yeah, much the same. I definitely liked it. A lot of a lot of candy there to look at. Um, I am very excited about the whole A. I don't know why. I'm just excited to see the whole series start coming to fruition. And I think it's uh I think it's an interesting dedicated kind of ship. Um I think it'll be interesting for some solo play reasons. Um yeah. uh, I definitely you know, I am not a Corsair owner, but I was it's it's a good looking ship. I mean it looks pretty utilitarian. Um I was the wings on the left side, where you have the double wing, it's kind of like the Y portion. Um, they look a little flimsy, like the hinges. It's just like a little thin hinge, you know, and, and uh, I would have thought it would have been much more substantial. Um, mm. It just looks like it'll just get shot off in a heartbeat. Um, the big wing's not the problem. It's the two smaller wings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's cool. Um, I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be an effective ship, uh, but I think it tries to do a lot with a very you know with a small frame. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know how much more effective it's going to be. Let's say than a constellation, right? Um, yeah. You, you I give up understand. some things to, to carry a vehicle with a Connie, but you got the you know stub fighter, and there's a lot of they're going to be very comparable ships, no doubt about it. Yeah, to- totally. Yep. Um, what about you, Mr. Chekhov? What are your thoughts? Well, I didn't catch any of the episodes, but the... Uh, uh, of what we mentioned sounds the most exciting <laughs> to you. Well, the what makes me kind of ponder is the, the gadgets, right? Going back to my favorite subject. So you know how those uh, the ROC uh, rocks mineables right now they're sort of wedged, you know, half of them at least are wedged uh, between those big boulders. So what I'm thinking of, would you be able to use gadgets to actually crack 
those just the regular boulder non-mineables i i don't think so i think i know you're talking about how the rock mineables are essentially yeah inaccessible now but i yeah. think that's i think that's just a geometry problem that's a bug because i don't think we're not at destructible terrain yet so you know like when bombs hit the ground there aren't big holes yet like they're, they're working on it but i think i think the gadgets are at least first implementation is really just going to be for mineable rocks well i think what Chekhov was asking is could you use something like a rock to break a normal size rock if you had a mining know. gadget is that what right no but that's what kanok is saying essentially oh. no no he yeah he hit it right on yeah that's what i was referring to but oh, you raise not, an interesting question yeah you do raise an I interesting they question were, they're, they're hiding them by design you know oh yeah no i think that's by mistake or accident you know by bug hidden mm. by bug but um, but you do raise a good point geeky i mean i wonder would that permit a tier zero laser to be able to break smaller rocks smaller well, you can't hold the you can't hold the resource you know oh, yeah, like that's the tractor point, yeah. beam is too small true there you go um at least i would assume that's my assumption who, who knows um you know i have <laughs> probably to say, nobody just... <laughs> <laughs> um my my reaction to this episode well it's sort of a reaction and a reaction to a reaction because um i have to say i i like salty mike um but god he can get so negative um at something that brings me such joy <laughs> and perhaps it's because he's such an early backer but i we don't get the same impression from you canuck um and you're a very early backer yourself like of the earliest but yeah. I was watching his live stream reaction to the episode and he, he was talking about, he was just getting really annoyed at the fact that they were showing concepts of derelicts. And the first thing that came to my mind is you're talking about the Montreal team is concepting these things and keep in mind, it's a small brand new team and they've also built all the hospitals yeah, I I uh, I I like uh, I like uh, Salty Mike's uh, content. Uh, yeah, you know he's got his thing, but he you know he's he's he comes off sometimes as a little quote unquote salty. But he you know he works pretty hard with his community and everything. And yeah, but the thing is, is he's got different. He, as everyone in Star Citizen, different people have different views and goals and objectives. Yeah, and you know you watch him like he. Um, one of the things I can't really speak for him too much, but he does, he makes no secret. He likes gathering stuff. He likes loot. He likes mm. trophies. Uh, to me, that's just something I could care less about really. Um, so, you know, differing views, differing ideas. I, I agree with you. I mean, we're allowed to agree with and disagree with people. And yeah. I agree with you. You see what turbulence putting out in such a short amount of time. Those guys are prolific. They're just pumping out great stuff Absolutely. Um, yeah. really quickly. Like, you like, know, to if me, they're it listening, just goes, wow, how fast they're going to do this. Yeah. Like, if they're listening now, you know, it's kind of like, hey, c'est bon, les gars, continuez, parce que si vous êtes en train de griller, kind of thing. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the thing is, is they're really putting out some good stuff. 
I said I, I essentially swore in French and told him that they're doing a good job. But uh, uh, do I have to wait, mark wait, this as explicit now? Wait, wait, that, that was French, <laughs> but not if with French accent. That was with Canadian accent. Yeah, that was just a, that was a Canadian accent. But, French um, Canadian. So they yeah, were reaching out to the international audience. Um, but no, I mean <laughs> you have bridges. to. You have what? to start with concept art before you can start yeah. working on other stuff. So I yeah. mean. Because you just can't, oh, we're going to make it. Like, I personally, I've done a few of the derelict missions. Um, and honestly, it looks great. But for me, I'm not crazy about them. I, I don't like the traversal. I don't like that kind of move this to get to this door, move this to get to this door, yeah. climb up this access to get to this access, walk on this hallway only kind of thing. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those kind of on rails traversal type things. Yeah. Mm. So while I do enjoy the concept and I do enjoy where they're going to go with it, I like better the idea of having these permanent derelicts that become other things. Yeah. I personally would like to see the derelicts be crashes that are non-static for the most part. You know? Yeah. You shouldn't show well, up that... in a derelict after that's been there maybe for three months and it's still on fire. There is no oxygen on yeah. a moon. Why, why is it still burning? Unless you make that, unless you crash that thing. And and I think that's what they showed off. And I also yeah. think it, you just brought up what I was, what I was going to chime in with is I'm looking forward to the day that our crashes become derelicts. Yes. Well, Nubkins 317. Took out his entire org and they're trying, someone's trying to patch together what happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but what you say, if I, not to kind of dominate, but just working no, no off problem. what you just said here, um, when our ships become derelicts, when, when our ships crash or make other ships crash, and that's something I did for a little for science that I'll get to, um, you know, cur currently, you know, we're looking at tier zero coming of, uh, is it three, sorry, 318 uh, for um, tier zero salvage? Yeah. Well, right now, you know, are those going to be just static missions where you're going to go somewhere and there's going to be specific stuff? You know, we've got those comp boards, maybe recover some comp boards uh, in a in a ship and there might be specific panels that you can maybe strip. Because right now, ships, I and, think so. and, ships and wrecks don't have collision. It blows up or it yeah. crashes the models there, but you can just, you know, go right through it. And I think, so, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, is that the same with the new crashes? Because perhaps that's the the big refactor is not just making them more interesting, but preparing them for salvage gameplay. Mm. Just a food for thought. Hello? Audience test. <laughs> yeah, I'm queuing on that. Um, speaking of derelicts, I I haven't found it. You know, I keep on taking the missions, but I'm still finding the old legacy ones i haven't found new ones yet or they're this, randomized yeah or this changes is so subtle that i'm just not really i'm not more success it. finding them in uh, microtech okay oh, so missions that are given in microtech have been the ones where i've found them hmm. very right. interesting on my um, way thank you <laughs> <laughs> i think everything else was really Exciting to see. I think it's good to see, even though I don't own it, the Corsair and White Box. Hospitals look cool. Mercy Hospital looks great. And I just like the idea that you know they're working on Levski right now and that Nix isn't far behind Pyro. Um, Absolutely. 
I have a feeling um, they'll wait for it because, you know, they'll want to test. First of all, by the time Pyro is released, server meshing should be should be released. And I'm sure they'll be testing the limitations of its first implementation. Um, but I doubt Nix will be far behind. I bet the next patch. Well, was it somebody in the Parlay House who had posted up a dev response from... I forget where it came from, but essentially they were saying that you know Pyro is good to go. Like, yeah, it all like all the planets are done. They're just working and polishing stuff up and everything. Yeah. So again, does that mean they've kind of run into like a little bit? Are they holding it off because they want to polish it off? Are they running into like a okay? How are we going to do this without the meshing in? Really? Do we oh, just it, it make needs it meshing? Yeah. Unless they do a different, unless they unless they do like a load a screen server. and they bring it to a yeah. different server. Yeah, but why do all that work if you're already implementing server meshing? Exactly. So, my interesting question: When I I kind of feel like there are elements of server meshing in the game already that we don't know about that they've been testing. Oh, do tell. I just so I'm experiencing a lot of issues lately, and probably because I use a certain type of remote PC that I'm not going to keep mentioning every time I have the podcast. But I am not getting very good object container streaming. Like things are taking forever to stream in for me. And maybe this, maybe this has nothing to do with it. But, you know, it could, I don't know. They might be testing one location in the system, you know, maybe jump town compared to everywhere else oh. or something like that. You never know. Um, that's pure, unadulterated speculation. <laughs> they might. I would. There was. There's been rumors for a while that they would create a jump point in between two of the planets. I wouldn't be surprised if their first test of streaming is to segment one of the planets off to a different server, just to see. Yeah, and just have a jump point be the facilitation between the servers. Because I feel like that's the natural server. Um, like shift at least for static server meshing is to have the jump point. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. we know our servers aren't really handling things right now, but they're doing an okay job. And if if you kept fifty players but split them up between, you know, you, you, not all. I guess you wouldn't. Yeah, because you're gonna have the same. Let's say they kept fifty players they'd have two servers for our 50 player instances. Now I think that would save a lot of game files. I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see anyway, <laughs> enough of that about that. Um, and then I did find it interesting too. One last thought was that Jared mentioned in that episode that the road to pyro this year is the road to pyro. So, mm -hmm. Yes. Granted, he sh maybe he's teasing it for a good reason, and we can expect it to be here this year. But I'm always cautiously optimistic because I think they can do it. But it definitely has the limitation of server meshing, and it is a complex backend integration that they're working on. So let me let me just uh, say, you know, I think your you actually your point is well justified. So I just approached a Angela, right? Mm -hmm. a uh, Nakamuri Valley aid shelter. So within 250 meters, there was nothing there. 
and it only appeared when I got to 200 meters from it, which was never the case before. You could see them streaming in way, way out. Um, I've seen, that's kind of been happening, yeah, that's been happening since I think like 313, Really? Really? That, I for, like, yeah, because sometimes you go in and like, like you can land at a place. You have to be careful where you land because sometimes the the buildings will stream in after you've landed. Yeah, I've never had that. Yeah, I haven't noticed. Maybe it did. I'm just noticing now that yeah. Geeky mentioned it. I, I've I've started noticing it. Dispatch more so than ever. Perhaps. Well, it's uh, been happening a lot to me, so I don't know. <laughs> Well, we're talking about the sprint and it kind of derelicts and one of the elements of the sprint. And I kind of wanted uh, Sigurd's opinion on this. Um, you know, they've got the mines and I understand, like me personally, I used to uh, work uh, and I taught kids that were living on one of the CFBs, uh, Canadian Force Bases in, in Ontario here. And um, so, I, I, you know, I knew a lot of people in the military and we're looking at, you know, a lot of people don't like the laser trip mines. I personally, I have no issue with them, not the way they're being used, because, and again, in a derelict or a space crash, why would there be mines in it? But they have to test it somehow, so that's fine. But, you know, I think it was Nubifier who was talking about them and saying, like, this whole idea that mines as an offensive weapon, um, that's not the same thing as a claymore. I mean, we're talking, it's, it's, it's mines are used to redirect troops and forces into other areas so it's it's more of like an area restriction you don't want them to go somewhere correct and, and, turning, and technically it has to be obstacle. and legally you know according to the rules of war as it were uh or combat they're supposed to be identified you're not allowed to hide them per se if that if that's correct or not hmm. um, it's, it's, like you can't have a minefield that's completely hidden that's against kind of you're supposed to mark them you're supposed to record where they are and send right. up the reports but you know, some nations are going to do it better than others, to be yeah. honest with you. So this leads to my next question. is: We saw in the Sprint report, they're kind of testing cluster bombs. And to my knowledge, again, they're frowned upon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, they're, they're frowned upon by the civilian world, not by the military world, because they're really okay. effective. They, uh, the problem with them in the civilian world is that they don't always... They don't always go off. They, well, they spread and they detonate a large portion of the bomblets. But the bomblets don't always, um, they don't always self-detonate after a given time. Most of the stuff that's, you know, deployable that we have, even like we have the ability to throw a minefield out, literally. You can chuck them out. It's kind of like a, like a box that'll just deploy a minefield with a click of a button. No lie. No, no lie. Um, But it's also meant that um, you can detonate all of them on command. So you don't have to worry about, you know, or set a timer on them that it'll blow up after a certain amount of time. And that way oh, you don't okay. have civilian casualties. All also, right. it opens up avenues for you to attack through that the enemy thought was closed because they saw an obstacle there. So, okay. Yeah. I just wanted to get a better handle on, on like what cluster bombs are kind of, because me being a civilian, you know, we mm. just kind of hear of like, well, we saw it in actually in the video when the, a few of the cluster bombs began exploding. It you saw that the that the shockwave was was throwing off the rest of the bombs. Yeah, and and so those are the bigger bombs going off. You wouldn't you basically a, a cluster bomb contains many little charges inside of it, 
it itself does not explode. It tears open, basically. Okay. It sprinkles these things out. So you, you let's say you dropped a cluster bomb, you know, you're going 400 miles an hour in an airplane, and you, or even an artillery shell can do it. You detonate one of these things over the area you want it to go off. It would spread bomblets over the you know size of a football field, let's say, right? And there would be different different settings that they can have, but they have the each little bomblet has the ability to go off when it hits something hard, and it goes off like a shape charge, um, so it can burn through like the top of a tank or a, a jeep or something like that. Uh, or it'll go as, off as a fragmentation after a certain amount of time um, if nothing else goes on. And what that okay. does is that's for anti-personnel. So so then what they were showing then really in the video, not, for not all quite. intents and purposes, not really a cluster bomb. Nope. It was just more like a yeah. grouping of smaller bombs. Right. Yeah, it okay. is like uh, looking at a pan of frying grease. I mean, there are just hundreds of these things All coming right. out when they drop a bomb. Well, there you it's, go. Yeah, it saturates an area. So, it'll be a test tomorrow, everybody, so hope you paid attention. <laughs> so I wonder on the Russia-Ukrainian border, are those mines are going to be marked or not? They will probably be marked um, from the friendly side, not from the enemies, towards the enemy side. Uh uh -huh. Although there are occasions when you want to put out a decoy and you put out a minefield sign. I'm not the crazy guy that's going to go test if it's a real minefield or not. <laughs> right? So it, it has an effect. But the general rule of thumb is you don't put up a true blocking obstacle, with, which is, which say, mines are part of a blocking obstacle. Um, you actually put up um, what we often call like an inverted Christmas tree effect. You set these obstacles up so the enemy bumps into them and then decides, I'm not going that way, and they turn. They turn away mm -hmm. from the obstacle. Um, eventually, that pushes them into an area where you want to kill them, called a kill zone. Um, the other thing you can do with them is cause them to just change the facing of their armor so that it's sideways to you. So you can shoot them in the weaker parts of their armor versus the frontal armor, the thickest. Right. Right. Um, there you go. And you should never put an obstacle out. You can't observe and cover with fire. So, never right, playing your right. own minefield. All right. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I just was curious because it, it, when I was watching them, I was kind of like, "Are those really cluster bombs? And is that really how they work?" And, no, and I thought, "Jesus, it would take guy. out like um, it would have probably been a more effective bomb to use in the uh, in the raids during the uh, what do we call the, the session we just went through the jump, jump town." town. Jump towns, yeah, you could go through in there and there clean out like a whole mess of infantry guys. Yeah, because a cluster bomb would almost be more like carpet bombing <laughs> with very small hand grenades. Yeah, it was like yeah. three million hand grenades. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It seemed like well, one because the bomb itself exploded that screwed things up, but then it only seemed like there were like four slightly smaller bombs with a small radius. Yeah, but as they showed, it was an early exploration, so I guess we shall see. Yes. Yes. Um, now we had a Star Citizen live. Um, this probably didn't make um, Salty Mike super happy because um, it was making a concept image of a derelict, um, oh, one of the Montreal team members. I love um, those. Yeah, it's Chekhov's favorite one. And then Jeremiah Lee actually came on just to annoy Jared, um, which was mm -hmm. fun. 
I, I'm surprised uh, he didn't make a derelict out of him. <laughs> Yo, that's that's what they were talking about, and and he, Jeremiah was saying how you know if they want to, they can make the mountains out of the shape of Jared's face. That's right. Um, that's right. But it 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 was entertaining. Um, it's light. Know, what are you gonna do? I don't love these things, but I get it. They're trying to have a theme, and they want to spotlight people. And quite frankly, they're probably spotlighting somebody who is gonna create this anyway. So. Yeah. Um, I, I really know. like the concepts he had. I mean, yeah, the, the terrapin half covered with the terrapin was my favorite. The terrapin was really cool. I really like the reclaimer. Um, you know, that thing just looks so big. You look like yeah. you spend hours going through that, even if especially it's especially with the trail with the with the trail of the crash and how yeah. it showed that that still showed years later. It just had like growth yeah. on it instead. Absolutely. And I like the, um, especially the ones where they're, they've become kind of like a habitation site. Someone's yes. living there. Yeah. I think oh, that, that is- comms tower one was awesome. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. That was very cool. Yeah. Well, those are the type of bases. I would love to find a base, you know, make a base out of that, especially if you yeah. go in there and seal up openings and create well, your own doors that are airlocks. And that kind of, fun. It, it raises the question of like how once, I mean, one of Chris's goals is to be like as everything is physicalized and damage and and all that um you know if, but like if you get like static derelicts like that you know is it going to be are, are they going to be quote unquote for for game purposes indestructible for example so you you don't want people you know effectively you know stripping points of interest or or carpet bombing them out of existence yeah um, so I, I think we're going to have to accept that, yes, certain things are going to be salvageable, certain things are going to be destructible, but at the same time, certain things are going to be indestructible just for the purpose of, like, gameplay. I, I feel I agree, like I they'll systematize those, though. Like, I don't think, I think that this is my hope and maybe I'm being lofty in my thinking, but I would think you might get a mission to explore a derelict in the same way that you might get a mission because a pirate is encountering, is going after a starfarer. And so you almost feel like I would think the dynamic economy and the whole system behind that would also say, okay, well, if there's pirate activity here, chances are you're going to come across a derelict more likely or a derelict mission more likely. And if no one takes the derelict mission or once they're done with the derelict mission, that mission goes away. It shouldn't be the same crash site anymore. It's just a crash site that has nothing, nothing of value except for maybe stripping the hull and such. And then from there, then it just becomes overgrown or it's destructible or whatever. But that's my hope and dream. And same thing with if you crash and for instance, when you claim insurance, if you claim your insurance, the insurance company should put out a mission for someone to recover your black box to make sure you're not committing insurance fraud. Mm. Yeah. You know? Mm. And so like, I feel like that could granted, maybe I'm overbuilding it, but at least compared to the way they talk about the game, that doesn't sound far fetched. No, it would not be. It's not unreasonable. They might have to put some limits on like 
after a certain size or class of ship, then it might yeah. be a mission. Because if there's a lot yeah. of fighters and Aurora's being blown up, it wouldn't. But anything, say, bigger than a, you know, than a, f- a freelancer, or say freelancer and up, if one gets destroyed in monitored space, then yeah, like it puts up a mission. Yeah. You know, such and such insurance company is looking for the recovery of a black box. And then yeah. this also gives you salvage rights to it or something. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see a list of ships overdue. Like, oh, ship like lost ships. List, list of ships overdue, where they were last reported. What was oh, yeah. Out. Well, that would make yeah. for a great mission. I mean, frankly, uh, that, that, and again, that wouldn't be an impossible. I, I'm not a programmer, but just conceiving it is not. We have a ship overdue find it you do find it you realize that it is incapacitated in space you can affect repairs upon it and then you fly it in yeah. and yeah. i don't i don't see a problem with recovering a group of salvage ships i mean like they you know they set up a salvage site and everything else and it 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 is what it is um but when a ship goes missing missing especially an ai i would like to see that ship somehow um either recoverable or you know, crashed in one of these site-like situations. Um, yeah. And it, and it's not on, you know, the rate of ships that go down every year in the commercial industry is enormous. I mean, I, in fact, I just did a little look while we were sitting here and for August, just because like the Beirut explosion, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen ships were destroyed in that, in that alone. Um, hurricanes. I mean, here's another eight or nine on the 27th of August, but there's several per month that go down worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously that's much, it's multiplied. Um, like, we'll just, you saw the jump town two stats that they released. Yep. Um, yeah. There was a lot of, you know, stuff got blowed up real good. Yeah. Uh, so, well, it's interesting too because if you think about it, so what we just what you just discussed here, that will require. Wow, well, this week is a, a big theory crafting session, which is great because nobody asked any questions this week. Um, <laughs> well, for the record, there would have been a lot of questions had I not come in. Yeah, exactly. He literally Canuck was like, "Hey, do you know if Seaguard's sick again this week?" I was like, "You can come on the show no matter what." He's mm-hmm. like, "Okay," because if not, he he was like just ready to tap on the keys and. Give us his four questions. Um, uh, but it's interesting if you think about it. So that system, which actually sounds really exciting and sounds realistic, implies a couple of things. One, that when we're planning out where we're going, we're registering our flight paths. Because I would imagine they wouldn't have NPCs do it if they didn't have you do it, and vice versa. Two... There's probably elements of, are you near a comray? And if so, did you set off a distress beacon? Because I feel as though that's something I'd rather it be that than like a rescue beacon, but like a, a generalized distress beacon sounds more interesting to me. And maybe you could put some content in the distress beacon. I don't know. And then, then it's like, if it is an NPC, so if it's a player character, then it really, it could evolve to anything. It could be, help defend the ship or it's search and rescue or you might be too late for search and rescue and it's salvage and recovery um and then uh you know there's also if it's an ai then it's the 
the grand wizard Tony uh, Z has his algorithms that decide what happens uh, to that ship based on the criteria in in the dynamic universe. Yeah, it would. Uh, his whole system is going to be. It's important. Yeah. Well, the question is, do they even have the underlying things there? Because I haven't heard anything about registering flight plans, but at the same time, we see flight plans on the boards in all of our space stations. Yeah. 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 I'd just like to so take like, a hmm. moment to, to just put a disclaimer out that uh, uh, Geeky's reference to Tony Z as a grand wizard is in no means or implying that he has oh. anything to do with the KKK. Or <laughs> Correct. Not whatsoever. I, I think he was simply <laughs> implying that he is the, the puppet master. He is the yes. Wizard of Oz. He is the man behind yes. the curtain. Uh, just, you, just so we're clear. Grand Dragon either. Yes. So that, 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 no more jokes, no more anything that was, that was intentional. There we go. We're done with them. I meant more uh, Grand Master. Yeah, there sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> I just don't want you to get the mail. <laughs> um, hey, it'd be something to read in the episode. <laughs> Dear yeah. Geeky. No, um, no, we're, we're just we're done with it now. We'll just move on. Go. <laughs> so this week, ISC will be, uh, I think, pretty interesting for a lot of people, at least half of it, uh, mm. will be about the new... Starfarer refueling mechanic, and hopefully it'll be a much more fleshed out version than the prototype we saw earlier, uh, as well as a look at the consolidated Outland quad speeder or whatever it's called. Um, so, yay, uh, something that people are going to use for a token. Uh, maybe they can justify why it exists. Uh, and then, uh, actually, I think it looks cool, so I'm, I don't know why I'm you know so what? harsh. To be fair with that thing, everything can't have guns. Yeah. I, I do think it is a little wide. Yeah, but it, um, it retracts, so the the things move. The yeah, the whatchamacallits retract so that you can land it. And and as we've said on more than one occasion, right? If if you don't like it, you just don't buy it. Don't buy it. Yeah. And and I would never recommend anybody who's new to the game that's listening, unless you want a token, because that thing's coming with LTI and you have an intention of upgrading it. Ground vehicles. Um, as pledges are they're they're dirt cheap in game so wait a patch and you can have it yeah i'll i'll probably get it in game just to have it you know because it does seem like a cool little like get somewhere fast with a little bit of cargo um and i i kind of like the look of it um and then Star Citizen Live will be the director of graphics engineering, uh, Ali mm. Brown, and they'll be answering all of our graphics and graphics tech test uh, tech questions. <laughs> um, and essentially, you know, it's a follow up to the Gen Twelve and multi core um, Vulcan stuff from CitizenCon. Uh, so it should be exciting. Uh, we also will see the return of Xenothreat this week. Uh, should be kicking yes. off unofficially or i guess officially with the xeno threats coming on thursday um with the action playing out starting friday so super excited get your ships ready um and as of i think yesterday we've entered the lunar new year aka in game the red festival um and with that there are paints this year for the Connie and the Saber. Uh, 
featuring a, mon- a monkey on on it because it's the year of the monkey. Last year it was a ram um, for twenty nine fifty two, and last year skins are also available uh, for the Nomad and Freelancer. They look great. They're all you know red and gold, which look fantastic. Uh, and much like Luminalia, there will be envelopes hidden around landing zones that you can return for moolah so if you feel like searching for pretty gold and red envelopes uh, go ahead Mm. and take a look they're fewer and more far between than the uh, gift boxes aren't they more though i don't know what the value is i've got three of them in my inventory i think it um, varies oh you you already have the envelopes i found three of them yeah so that i don't know if like they're like pay with your pulls or something, or if they're like scratchers. I can't remember, to be honest. But it'll be fun. I mean, it's, you, you walk by them if you don't want them, and if you want them, pick one up. Yeah, why not? Do you return you return them to the admin? I'm guessing. Kiosks, I, right? I haven't turned mine in. If it works. Because <laughs> Luminalia presence, not so much for geeky over here. Oh, mine all worked just fine. Oh, isn't that nice? I know. <laughs> um, hey, the game loves good me. for you. Uh, so uh, that brings us to tips and tricks. Uh, we have two submissions this week. Um, first from Are You Losing My Mind, uh, who mm. is relatively new to the Discord. Welcome, Are You Losing My Mind. Uh, he said, if you have to eject over a moon, pull out a mediped and inject yourself just as you impact. Works best if you eject towards the horizon. I haven't tried it over a planet yet, but it still may work uh, if you don't die instantly. And then uh, Zake said, unsure if it still works, but doing the drinking animation while you hit the ground would guarantee you sustain no injuries. Um, Both of which I'm sure aren't long-term solutions, but perhaps short-term solutions. Um. Feel free to vet that out, scientists. Yes. Uh, what about you, Canuck? You have any tips or tricks? Um, I don't know I don't if it. Know. I don't know if it's a for science or a tip or a trick, but I've discovered something that I did not know. Uh, do you know? You know how when you're flying and you get like an audio, seems like an audio bug because you've blacked out, and then everything is muffled for whatever till you log off. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's almost like in Saving Private Ryan when he gets concussed somewhat. Yes. And then you get that kind of muffled audio. Yeah. Well, I discovered that if you actually use uh, Stereogen on yourself, it's not an audio bug. It's a medical effect. Mm. If you use Stereogen on yourself, it corrects it. Oh, that's so one, of the... one of the... Yeah. One of the, um, one of the medical supplies that goes in the gun, in the med gun. Uh, stereogen stereo i guess for ears wow. it, it says it corrects audio audio and visual problems and if you've got that kind of you're in the underneath in the bathtub kind of thing listening to music and everything's garbled you uh mm-hmm. heal yourself with that and voila you're healed it's not a bug interesting so hmm. my tip is get yourself a, a gun with some stereogen in it and then if you have that issue you can actually land and Fix yourself. Wow. Just didn't know that, eh? <laughs> no. Cool. I mean, it sounds like it should be 
So it's not yeah, a right tip so much, I guess. Now that I hear myself say it, it would have been more of a for science. But uh, you know, my other tip is kind of like an exploit, so I don't want to share that one. Oh, okay. I mean, it's good not to exploit anything. No. I, I don't use it. Least. It's just it's there. <laughs> well, that's good. I just posted um, it in forms. Excellent. What about you, Seaguard? Any tips and tricks? Not not really this week. Uh, mostly because I was out sick and uh, didn't really focus that much time on it. So, nothing this week. Okie dokie. Um, Mr. Chekhov. I would uh, like a tip of how I can loot all this stuff I found by making a box, but I don't really know how. No, um, no tips from me. All the stuff you found where by making a box? Well, I found a bunch of stuff, but I cannot move them into a local inventory. I don't have a backpack, so how else am I going to get them onto my ship? You and then step onto your ship and then open your inventory again. Yeah, but he doesn't have a backpack to move so it. Right, so it's one one piece at a time. Yeah, so you'd have to turn them into boxes and then carry them. The best way to do that is if you had one of those stupid carts that they had, and then you could drop the boxes on the carts and then move it into the ship. Oh, yeah, sorry, they're boxes. I apologize. Right, right, but that's my question. Can you actually make a box from nothing? You can grab the item and drag it to your hand, and it'll turn into a box. So when you go to drag it to put it in your inventory, there's a little hand icon. Uh, so if you drag yeah. it and put it on the hand icon, it'll just drop it into a box on the ground. Okay. I will try so that's that. that's what you can do. And that was my tip and trick. <laughs> there you go. Glad I could help. <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget your tractor beam also that's right yeah then you could tractor the boxes even better great great mm. tip and trick Seaguard see you got one too yeah um, and that brings us to everyone's favorite segment for science wow wow oh I got the slow version oh there we go <laughs> Oh, no, I did it again. <laughs> I don't know why it does that twice. Don't do it again. Oh, no. Oop. I clicked the button. I, it, for some reason, the click just holds. Um, so for science is that segment that we talk about all the things we did in the name of science, whether it was testing out a games, the game's functionality or going out into the verse and figuring out some sort of phenomena. Uh, I I have some hope that somebody has something for science, but, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Canuck, uh, did you do anything in the name of science? Because none of our listeners did, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I took, uh, I took uh, Chekhov's advice and I put it in a spreadsheet. Um <laughs> Okay. I was in the last episode. He said he's going to create a spreadsheet to keep track of his for sciences. Uh, so I did do some for sciences. The um, like I said, the the one with the the stereo uh, gen to correct the thing. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I I had I have a couple of um, reliance. I, I like the reliance, and um, 
I was trying to practice. I was trying to do some bed logging practice with them. And uh, as it is now, if you bed log in a in a in a reliant, when you come back in, it uh, it's in vertical mode and you're locked out of the cockpit, and so you're kind of you're unable to use the ship. The yeah. exception to that uh, is the is the reliant sen. Um, because what you can do is if you come in, you bed log in the one the one you can bed log in is the sen because you can bed log in it. You log back in; it's vertical. You're locked out of the cockpit, but there is the science station in that uh-huh. ship. If you log into the science station, it wakes up the spaceship, and it goes back into horizontal mode, and it oh, gives you access to the ship. Nice for all you so, sand owners out there. That's right. So there. Mm. And obviously, every, people probably already know that if you go to, um, again, it's mostly related around the, the Reliance. If you go to dumpers in uh, Area 18, you can, uh, you can buy all the different turrets. Uh, and you can swap all the turrets in and out on the various uh, Reliance. So even though, for example, if you own a Mako, you're not stuck with the camera. If you don't want to use it, you can just go get one of the other turrets and put it on. Or if you have the send, you don't need the uh, the scanner that doesn't do anything yet. Uh, you can just go put either the uh, the two size two or the size three uh, turret on it. Um, Interesting. All the turrets are interchangeable. So even if you've got a core, you're kind of thinking, well, it's kind of like the base model. Uh, you can still put you know four size twos on it, gimbaled with um, with two other guns on it. Uh, I also did a lot of testing with missiles. I don't know if anybody's aware, but there's a. I, I've been trying to figure out a workaround for getting hit by your own missiles when you launch. Uh, I don't know if anybody's run into that issue. I but, haven't um, been hit by my own. And the, we're the talking bug- about in game. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was a strange question. Get it? And currently, the bug that um, <laughs> missiles are destroying your power plants. Uh, immediately, um, it's it's a it's it's no it's it's not very good when you're flying a Reliant and you launch the missiles, or even an Aurora, and the missile hits your own ship. It's like it's like it doesn't launch almost, explodes and then you're done. It disables you. Oh, so that's what it is. And, and here I am trying to figure out that this whole problem. I'm I'm thinking it's a missile that I'm being hit. No, you hit yourself. Missile. Oh, that's what it is. That's the this bug has been driving me crazy, and I'm saying, okay, what kind of missiles are they shooting at me that totally disables me? That's that's what's happening. Is the missile right now, oh. with the exception of the 300s? Now, this is not me. This is Camaral because he does a lot of extensive testing. I know some people kind of think he's a little impatient with uh, CIG, but he actually he should be he should be on their payroll. He does so much testing. Um, but he's demonstrated that the 300 series are the ones are not affected by this missile bug. Their components aren't being destroyed immediately. But um, yeah, and is my last. Speci- Go ahead. Uh, so, is it a specific missile, or is it all of them? It doesn't matter which one. <clears throat> I think it's the size ones, but are really bad. I think it was Netsmash who was saying that he likes using the size ones because they're particularly yeah. effective right now. So 
they're very small and they're doing if they blow up at proximity they uh they do a lot of damage and for whatever reason power plants are being destroyed and once oh, your wow. power plant is destroyed well you're done oh man that was such a huge tip for me because i was going crazy i didn't think it was me um right. well there you go to know. and i had another one that i completely forgot what it is but if i think it's 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 uh it's pertinent. It's pretty good. But go ahead. Uh, you know, you have no <laughs> other ones, eh? Um, well, I, I don't know if Seagard has one or if he's calling out sick for this mm-hmm. segment. <laughs> Sorry. I think, um, I'll think of it. Keep going. Yeah. I, you know, I really didn't do a whole lot. I did. I will tell you that um, going down to Crusader, I did kind of time getting out of the atmosphere, even even like between an aurora and a constellation, it's really not that bad. You know, it's longer than other planets, but uh, you can get out of there fairly effectively. Um, And that feels like a quantum jump to me. (laughs) Well, it does. I mean, you're basically, you're, you're kind of building up to a quantum jump. You know, it's probably two to three minutes. There's no doubt about it. Uh, But it's not a horrible climb out. Um, and you can usually get direct visibility to a you know a, an immediate quantum point outside, so you're, you're not really hunting for anything. Um, it's a little bit of a distraction, I have to admit. But you know, I would say for science, doing you know testing out the Crusader, you know, Orison is it's pretty. Um, I think the clouds are decently done. Better than I remembered them, but they're still kind of pixely. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like it's it's even though it's a, a large area, um, there's really only three areas to stop in. I would be yeah. uh, I would be a little happier uh, with more sites down there, um, more more places to go to. But I really do like like the industrial stop where you get off and you have the. Uh, the museum and everything it's spectacular yeah. when you start crawling around it there. there's i think that's better than where the hotel is to be honest with you yeah um, there's some orison's interesting it's just it, like it, it said, really is it's spread out but if you want if you enjoy that you kind of like walking around it's obviously not the place where people that are already upset with the fact they have to wake up in their hab to get to the space station it, yeah. that's it's not for them but yeah. um yeah Right. But I just Coming remembered in. what my other for science was. Uh, so uh, the um, I was doing atmospheric bounties, and I and I was one of my targets was in a a um, cutlass black, and so I said I, I I had distortion and regular guns, and I decided that instead of simply blowing up the cutlass, I targeted the individual engines and the individual things brought it down closer to the ground and it made it incapable to fly. I then exited my ship and I went into their ship, into the NPC ship and in a kind of like a, okay, I've disabled him. Now I'm going to board this ship in a kind of means to like kind of practice doing an apprehension. So of course that NPC was just, it was, they were glued to their, to their pilot seat but the whole idea was instead of just simply blowing up the ship when I when I had the opportunity to do it, I clipped its wings, blew off both the front, 
blew off both the engines. It fell to the ground. I brought it down close enough to the ground that the impact didn't simply destroy it. The back opened. I got out of my ship, got into the, the Cutlass Black, and shot the pilot sitting in his seat. But mm. in a way, that's kind of like, you know, eventually when we have apprehension certificates right. and stuff like that, and non-lethal, that, that's something very much that we'll probably end up doing is disabling a ship, getting into it, and then having to face off with, you know, the, the crew or the NPC that's in it. So so killing the character paid you, though? Killing the character with my, with my ARC-9 pistol paid me anyway. Awesome. It, 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 it didn't... Uh, I think it paid me when I killed the character and then I blew up the ship afterwards anyway. I'd have to try it again to make sure, but it was still just something to try. Just kind of like, you know, you practice stuff for the future. So that was my other for science. That's pretty cool. Cause all I can picture, I don't know why I always picture this is like, I picture the future of bounty hunting, someone following their mark in our corp, you know, as they're going to see Twitch Pacheco with their non-lethal weapon, just stunning them in one of those alleys and dragging them back to their ship. Right. Um, um, you know, I was, I was thinking okay. of one item we could discuss under this area. It's kind of, uh, you know, the crew play we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say that, you know, the lessons learned from that um, so far, you know, like I mentioned, you know, a group of us went out in a Connie. We had more people than we had seats. That's fine. Um, you know, by they Connie, all, we all linked up with the Connie. I was the last one there coming in with an Aurora. And as I got off my Aurora to kind of float over to the Connie, um, my a Redeemer had snuck up on us and blew my Aurora up and then mangled the Connie. Um, to the point where it was basically useless and I had to limp back to base. I had to float back to base. In fact, I think we were so dispersed, we ended up getting off of that server. Um, So, and, you know, I would say that the lesson I've learned is that it is challenging to play as multiplayer. It's not, you know, it's not, um, if if you're going to take out a hammerhead, yeah, your odds are much higher than, than a Connie. But if you're going to take out a Connie in them, it's pretty exhilarating. Um, I mean, you got to kind of have your head on a swivel. You got to be thinking about what you're doing. And that's just to stay alive. So um, it's kind of a different type of exhilaration than the the normal gameplay. So that was my fight for science piece. Okay, cool. Nice. Um, Checky McCheckoff, anything for science? Besides how good your mic is? Why? Is it very Not sensitive? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I always I always hear whatever you're doing and I can't tell if you're typing or using a joystick. Uh neither. I'm just looting. It's very annoying. I'm bringing over one piece at a time. But since I'm on a podcast, I figure it's a good peaceful activity. Yeah. To do. That's like the only thing I do now is cargo haul if I am recording the podcast, but I, I'm not in game right now. Yeah. Oh, you know what? If we're going to back up really quickly on the tips that I remember, sure. what, the, t- the actual tip I wanted to give. If you go, Sigurd, you're based in Horizon. Yeah. Um, and Chekhov was kind of walking around. I know not everybody puts on civilian clothing when they come to planets. I do. 
on Horizon, there are the Edgeware pants. The Edgeware pants have twice the storage capacity of all the other pants. Hmm. All pants have two SKU, uh, micro SCU of, of, um, of storage capacity. Whereas the Edgeware, which is the one, if you look at it, it's the ones that you've got like a little satchel attached to your pants. You've got a little man purse. And those ones have four SKU storage. So you can actually put a water bottle and some actual more stuff in your pockets. Okay. So there you I go. Mean, some, as, someone, as someone once told me, if you're going to put a potato in your pants, put it in front. <laughs> and that's another good tip and you said you didn't have any tips and tricks well, and that's talking. a tip to mask a tip that's, that's yeah, not only is. a tip it's also a trick <laughs> tricky tricky um, oh goodness for the record the envelopes are selling for 500 each oh nice that's wow. double the bucks or half the yeah, original. <laughs> the worst part is I had 34 of the boxes when they were original and they wouldn't sell. Mm. And then they were disappeared from my inventory. I was like, no. Now, um, would you, would you okay. get armor that was colored like the uh, envelopes and like the skins on the Cutlass Red? Or on the uh, for the, on the, uh, on the boxes? I on, mean, yeah. I still wear my Venture Voyager, which is colored that way. They should make armor like that. It'd be cool if they had the symbol. That's what I'm thinking. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. This month, the subscribers get a plushie of the C2, M2, and A2. They get one of them and the other, you know, I think it's, I think there's one, one for Centurion, one for the other one. (laughs) I can't remember the other one. And the last one you can just buy. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I do not have a for science, which is very, um, ironic after teasing Seaguard for calling out sick. Um, so shame on me. Um, and then it brings us to Seaguard's question, which we had none last week and I never came up with one. So Seaguard, why don't you give us the question for this week? I saw you already posted it. I'm sure there's yeah, some reactions yeah, already. Um, yeah, and it's it's coming from our crew experience so far. So the and so I'll just read it. All right. So given the current state of multiplayer, how useful do you think AI crew will be? And do you see yourself playing more solo with AI on your crew or more multiplayer with real crew? Oh, that's a great one. And you know what? I'm really interested to hear the responses. Yeah. I think it's going to be a mm. mixture. Yeah. I I will hold off in responding until next week. Um, yeah. Excellent. Well, that brings us to the QA to the hosts, which has one question ironically submitted through the Google voice number. I got a text um, for it. Um, and the question is, uh, hey, Citizen Cast. Do you have a Patreon or a way we can donate to the podcast? Uh, we don't currently. Um, I have. I can give them my uh, MetaMask wallet. <laughs> there you go. Um, Just keep <laughs> listening and spread the word for now. Yeah, you know what? That yeah. is the donation. Help help grow the audience. Tell yeah. someone in game. Um, yeah. Pay it you forward. Know, because 
if we get enough listeners, we can monetize. And quite frankly, I don't know what we would spend money on the podcast for anyway. Um, Noise canceling Mike for Chekhov. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A real computer for geeky. (laughs) And come to the party house and play. Or some virtual snacks for the Um, podcast. No, yeah, virtual snacks, Uh, yes. Okay, check off. I would imagine eventually, I obviously this is sort of a side project for us. We're not, this isn't our day job. We do this for fun. Originally, we started it to try and attract people to our org. It worked pretty successfully, um, I might add. I think it was probably two-thirds of the people coming into the org at the time came through listenership. Yes. Um, and, you know, I think... Uh, first of all, I feel guilty taking money because the amount of time we put into this is maybe three or four hours a week. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, if if people start, you know, donating, wouldn't that kind of create some expectations of like a certain level of professionalism? Well, I would want we would have to we would have to create additional content, and perhaps we could do that. Or we do have a network that. of very willing and interesting people. I, I would have to stop playing and actually focus on a Yeah, Chekhov would have to focus. I would change you the entire dynamic. Chekhov focus. Well, I, I have an idea. I wouldn't be able to get drunk during the podcast. What if we um, donate some of the proceeds to charity for starving uh, graphic designers and wannabe developers? Something like that. I place Just those an people. idea. <laughs> uh, and please understand we're, we're we're you know we're not making light of the offer to no actually you know, it's much appreciated it is it's just it's just it, it really is just a a, a labor of love it, yeah me, i mean therapy i swear it's like yeah I feel better every mm-hmm. time i do it yeah we, we definitely appreciate it and it's something perhaps we would consider down the road but you know we're not trying to make this a money-making entity uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, after the podcast, though. Um, but, you know, yeah. we all have our day jobs. <laughs> just start yelling I'll, at them. Just like, what are you doing? Unless I don't, we hit a million listeners. We could have made like a dollar a shift. Yeah. yeah. Like, I I make enough money in my day job to have the luxury of not needing the podcast to fund things. Um no. But we but it really is, it is very it. generous. Yeah, that's very nice. Um, and that listener is unknown because I'm not going to repeat their phone number for everyone. Um, <laughs> but we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And th- that's what we really care about. That's right. So uh, does anyone have anything else to cover off on? See how I'm doing this before the wrap up? Anyone have anything else to cover off on before very, we wrap up? Very clever. I know. Um, I'm just. Uh, it's only been how many episodes? Well, We're on season three now. I have. Oh, I, I, let's okay. So let's just remember. Thank all the orgs that are you know part of the at Parlay House. Yes. All the people who have recently joined Parlay House. It's uh, you know uh, we have yes. the last two three days have been a little bit slower, but I tell you it's it's fun to be on with everybody. We see a couple new people show up every week. I yeah. think. I um, I had a new a idea. I had a new idea of a sort of segment that we can have. Oh. Um, that I'm going to run by the org leaders for parlay house is just to have them submit a little voice description of their org and we'll rotate them featured throughout the podcast episodes. Like we did on, like we did on the town hall. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I think it'd be good. Um, and, and 
um, we do have a section to talk about Parley House. I added it finally. <laughs> um, but uh, I do think that would be nice just to have that exposure. And so people can hear what types of orgs are, are members of the, of the house yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, I would say a shout out to Boris, who's deployed. Oh, yeah. Although his deployment looks quite cushy sometimes. Not all the time. <laughs> but sometimes sometimes I'm starting to feel like I need to move and uh, and join the military. But then I look Somewhere at myself warm. in the mirror and say, I don't think anyone would want me to defend them in any yeah, way. Yeah. I would just Maybe verbally. Cool. I would be an obstacle. That would be about it. Yeah, I'm a bullet shield or a pin cushion. <laughs> Um, uh, is there anything else? Uh, I think we could, it was like I said, it wasn't. It was more content than recently, and I mean, there's a price bump on the concept ships for the Hull series. Oh yeah, they did. They did put all the Hull except for Hull E up for sale. Uh, since we're going to start seeing the them this year, what's that? He also said it was the year of the Hull. Yeah, because mm. they're releasing, I think, almost all of them this year. It's going to be a Right. So you said there was a prize bump? Yeah, the Hull A I think is up Oh I don't I didn't memorize. I think the Hull's up to like eighty USD. Yep. And then the B is up well, let me see I have it here now. One forty something. One forty. Oh and really? Wow. The yeah, C's up to three fifty and the D's up to four fifty. Yeah. Now the thing is is I mean that's normal. That's what they've always done. Yeah. As as ships get closer to release, they they kinda uh, raise the prices. I'm sitting there going, hmm, how much is my um, Origin 400i worth? <laughs> well, or, yeah. did, well, the thing is, is exactly, you're in a situation where you're, you know, it, people kind of hear uh, some people talking about, oh, I'm a, I picked up this ship, I picked up this ship. It's not always new money. It's, you know, people have yeah. like credit and they just kind of melted other stuff and, you know, you what have you stuff mean? in your you buy credit to buy ships? Apparently yeah. you can. <laughs> Wish uh, my wallet knew that. <laughs> uh, my kids didn't want to go to college anyway. So yeah. I already paid for it. <laughs> but oh, I'm, 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 I'm uh, you know, talking about the hulls. I would really love. I know they're cons. They're in concept, but uh, again, I think it was in just last this week's episode where you know it was released late because of the audio issues. Yes. Um, you guys were. You know, you you kind of read that discussion that was in the Discord, and it, it, you know, and like I said, yeah, we do. I guess we have to be a bit more careful. I'm guilty of that too. It's it's supposed to be questions, not discussions. And when you're kind of yeah. trying to sift through it, so I'll I'll make this commitment to you uh, that mm-hmm. I'm going to try to move discussions into the general chat as opposed to in the questions. I mean, um, I don't mind it personally as long as people think it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, some of them can be quite funny. Yeah. Um, well, we can have the so, funny discussion outside. It's one of these things where I've, uh, having moderated different forums and stuff is you kind of want to keep the reason you create sections is because this is for questions. It's to keep them for the, for the specific topic. Yep. Yeah, and you can and it's easy it's, it's easy enough in Discord to link. Like I'm putting my answer over here, so you see that the answer has been moved over somewhere else. Yeah, but um, it kind of going back to that discussion about it is for the hulls. Is it would be really great to get some better numbers, some better sense of how big, you know, how many SCU roughly, and is it going to be like I said, four by twenty fours or, you know, three by 
32s. It, it does kind of make a difference about how you kind of visualize and conceive and think about how you would like to use the ship, especially yeah. as we're getting closer to, you know, the physicalization of the cargo refactor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, so the numbers go up. It's been consistent in this manner. I've always looked at the number of times it would take you, or, you know, how long it would take you to load a sh- one of the ships using the ship below it. So if you had a whole E, mm-hmm. it's roughly four whole Ds worth of cargo. And the same thing for the whole D, it's roughly four whole Cs. And then C is to B, you know, right? It goes kind of down in that pattern. It's it's staggeringly large when you get up to a whole E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my question then becomes, you know, what's interesting is they're releasing these whole ships and it makes sense that the hull a is first because it's the only one that can land with cargo on it yes but with the cargo refactor in uh 3.7 um does that also mean there's going to be a change to our cargo buying habits because you're not going to be able to go planet side and get Laranite in a hull series besides the A. So will they make more commodities available between the stations and, you know, increase the types of um, things that you can trade? Because if not, it might not, it might not be worth the hull series even being launched yet, or at least not the B, C, D, and E. Certainly available quantities of material has to, change yeah and, and well, you're absolutely right it has many of them have to be available at the station versus on a planet but the thing is it's like some of those smaller outposts right um is it is it is again i'm not i don't know what they're thinking but are they thinking can we be reasonably expected to be able to land at an outpost buds grow up and fill a hercules no. That would, be like driving, should... that would be like driving to the 7-Eleven with a cube van and uh, uh, with, a, with a, or let's just say like a transport with a regular uh, trailer and saying, yeah, I'd like, I want you to fill up my trailer with Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to. There isn't enough Coke in the store to do it. But that's, I think that's where you sit there and you go, okay, well, the orbital stations are the hubs and and in particular i think ones closest to jump points will be like the main hub you know like my whole theory is that port alisar is like the hub of hubs and then the spokes are planetary locations and smaller space stations to service those areas so i would imagine they're going to try and find a way to make it so that bud's growery is a smaller scale transport um, mission of some sort where you're bringing items from buds to the either the orbital space station or something close by um, so that either it's an immediate eco- economic need or something that the whole system needs. Yeah, but then that does that turn your bigger ships into station-to-station station hauling? Yeah, either station-to-station station or, you know, Star system to star system. Yeah. 
And I like think initially implemented, they won't be able to do it because we don't have star systems. Yeah. But at a certain point, I can almost see them saying, okay, it's, you know, you can land your Hercules at, you know, buds grow up, but you, you ain't going to fill it. Yeah. Full stop. No matter how many ticks you wait. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, the, the whole, the, the Hercules becomes a vehicle transport as opposed to a large scale hauler. But Unless even larger haulers well, should be able to fill it at the station. But then the, the question station, becomes, right. where's the demand in the system then? Well, that's the thing. Then it goes, but that's that's quanta that comes into to play yeah. then. Whereas if well, you're just within if you're just within Stanton, you know that there is you know ten thousand SCU of uh, refined laronite that's that has been brought up from whatever at Port Orlesar, and that yeah. ten thousand SCU has to be moved to Biagini Point. Yeah. Well, if you look at it too, like. Um, one would think at some point the because we don't know where things are demanded we we only know where we can sell and at some point that's all going to connect and and all those ground locations you know even where you buy you know laronite maybe that won't really be what produces laronite anymore maybe laronite is only coming from asteroids at which point you could refine it somewhere and then you could decide to sell it to that station and there's a mission created or the availability of that resource at that station to trade um, Laronite to move it to a place that's buying it for more. But that that's going to be, I mean, that's super dynamic in comparison to the way things are right now. Yeah, the non-mineral things. The mineral things I can almost see you know, Orions will be able to harvest huge amounts of material. Um, yeah. Much bigger, right, than than even a mole. And I do think um, that's going to help with minerals. But when you get to things like a um, uh, agriculture, yeah, we haven't seen the bulk agricultural, you know, growing solutions. We haven't seen a planet that grows food. Mm. We've seen ones that make weapons, and we've seen ones that make ships, but we haven't seen one that grows food, right? Or even, I mean, you can even dial it back. We don't have missions to transport ground vehicles in general, but I'm sure that'll be a thing because not all players are players. What might have a ground vehicle, but not a C two, right? Right. I think as we can we progress, (laughs) but we all know that certain ships are going to have certain roles. And we also yeah. know that certain ships are going to be better at doing certain things than others. I'm guessing, because the thing is, is the hull capacity for the hull A, uh, since that's going to actually be the one coming out sooner than later, um, it's not a particularly large ship that's going to hold particularly a large amount of stuff. I think it might hold about what a Cutlass Black holds. So it has to have some kind of a benefit over and above a Cutlass Black to warrant people using it. Yeah. So does that mean it's like going to be super efficient on fuel, or really fast, like Herald level fast? Um, yeah. It has to have something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, what would the? I mean, what's unless, the point? As, of it? What unless aside from aesthetics, you know? And that was the question, you know, like what ships do we have that really don't have any use, but we love flying them anyway, you know? And I think, you know, you just have the Hall A because you love the Hall A. Yeah, 
I think it'll have a purpose in the long run, right? I the Cuddy's the Cuddy is supposed to be a um, master of none, right? And or at the very least, yeah, I, I would still call it a master of none, no matter what, because even combat, it's still kind of it can pack a punch, but it is a little bit of a glass cannon. Um, so being a jack of all trades is great. But at the same time, there's got to be that drawback. And then obviously we're presupposing that it has about that capacity because we don't because they haven't updated our insight. We don't know if it's taking the large cargo boxes, small cargo boxes. I, I, I'm assuming it's the 32 SCU cargo boxes. And four of them, but I don't know. Maybe. Which would make it slightly better than a raft. See, I would have thought. And a raft is a multi-crew ship, so then why would you make something carry four? That's right. So it won't. So that's what I mean. But it's not very hard for them to simply say, okay, the raft's got those three, uh, the 32 SUs. Nothing stops them from making 16s and, you know. Right. Yeah. If, If Sony and Apple and different companies can make their own connectors. Yeah. Yeah, Hall A has a 48 cargo capacity. That's based on potentially old metrics. Yeah. Because they didn't use SCU up until, what, 2015, 2016? So it'll be interesting to see. You know, something else that impacts how this works together is we look at it from set with Stanton being the center of the universe right now. Yeah. That's all there is. Um, it's going to be a backwater when we when the game's fully blown. Chances Compared of someone wanting to start sure. in Stanton Maybe. is relatively thin, right? Um, yeah. You're going to want to be somewhere it, much more, much more in you know commercialized and industrialized. But like I, I just my last thing to say, and then you can, we can all. Uh, this kind of again, our little discussion here is based around kind of a like a you know theory crafting or a lack of information, yeah, yeah. which which again I mentioned it in the discussion uh, a couple of weeks ago. It marries well into uh, one of our friend Earth's uh, most recent videos on you know how the freelancer max what what you get is not necessarily what is described. And it has a lot to do, you know, CAG, if you're listening, um, for people to be able to make, if they want to pledge for these ships, to to be able to make informed decisions, there are some basic things that I think CAG could do a better job of communicating, especially when a ship is so close to uh, release. Heresy. Yeah. I think updating, if you're going to put a ship on sale, you got to update the Q&A to reflect current state metrics. Agreed. Personally. Yeah, and I think that's you can melt true. anything, but still. It's just dealing fairly with your, your backers and your pleasures. Yeah. I would imagine it's just they don't wanna they don't want to take the time to allocate resources to things like that when it's all still in flux. And I can respect and understand that. But it is hard when you, you're trying to literally make this a like Look at how many people were super upset at the Odyssey when they found out that that mining laser wasn't making it the the de facto industrial explorer, but sort of, you know, 
just a nice little addition. Now that doesn't mean that won't change, but based on what they've said, it doesn't make it any more compelling than any other large explorer, except for a few different features that stand it, set it apart. But then there's just as many drawbacks, which as a Carrick owner, I appreciate. <laughs> um, but I'm also an Odyssey owner too, and thought that that there's a reason to have both ships, and I'm questioning whether there's a reason to. Um, I might delete my upgrade. <laughs> I might melt my upgrade and leave it in Orion. There you go. We'll see. Um, excellent. So I'm going to take this pause as a as a as a moment to wrap up the podcast before we get into any more interesting theory crafting. As much as I enjoy it. Uh, so if you do have any content to send to us, whether it's a question, whether it is a tip or trick, something you did for science, random musings, um, you know, if you want to send us your social security number, uh, feel free to email us at the still defunct readcast sc at gmail.com until checkoff changes it. Um, you could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through Anchor or on our CitizenCast Discord. Or, of course, you can text us or leave a voicemail at 646-783-8154. Uh, if you are out there looking for that org um, or simply looking for people to play with or looking for a crew for any of your missions, uh, definitely take a look at Parlay House. It is that... Uh, zone where players are neutral and you could socialize with people of similar interests or find a random crew of people to fly around the verse with. Um, there are several orgs that are housing their discords uh, at Parlay House, including um, SSI, also known as Star Seekers International, my org. Um, so take a look. There's a link in the Discord below. I mean, there's a link to the Discord below. Um, also check out other friends of the podcast who are content creators. Um, we have O Earth, who we, or Earth, I should say, and Snorkel, who we mention on a regular basis, uh, as well as you can listen to the music of Admiral Cody and Calibri. Um, Admiral Cody could actually, uh, hopefully he'll be here next week on our podcast. Um, so we look forward to having him. And that, dear friends, wraps up another episode of Citizen Cast. Thank you, fellow citizens, for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Canuck. Thank yes, you. thank you, Canuck, That's as well. I usually remember to actually thank the guests, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes I feel like you're just our fourth host. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, happy yeah. Lunar New Year in yeah. the real life, and happy Lunar New Year in Star Citizen. You always we all talk during the Good intro, during the music. The outro. Yes. Good night, everyone. Good night. Yes. We think by now Chekhov gets it. <laughs> I think I think it adds character to the whole <laughs> outro. This is the character building. Am I supposed to talk during the outro? Is that the thing now? If you yeah. want to. <laughs> okay. It's not it's not binding, but we we stand, we tend to anyway. Okay. I like this music. Here it is. Well, I was talking to... I sent a message to Admiral Cody, actually, commenting on how I like... He changed the key a little bit. Yeah. And he used, he used more minor notes to kind of change the tone and the feeling of it. And it worked really nicely. Yeah, it's very um, uplifting. Yeah.
gives me Firefly vibes too. Game over here. You can see a carrot flying through a nebula. Looking all beautiful. Last word. Sending out a platform without a helmet on. So the best ship. Mm -hmm.